Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. So I got an email recently from a uh, listener named Shannon. She was asking me about Olani and uh, whether I'd ever been there, what I thought about it, if I had any tips for going. And unfortunately, I haven't been there. I haven't made it to Hawaii in my life. I've always wanted to go there, but growing up in South Florida and living here, it's about the farthest place in the U.S. you can go. Obviously, the islands in the Pacific are kind of far from here. So it's an expensive proposition. Never really found the right time or moment to go. I'd love to go someday, and perhaps I'd put Alani on my itinerary to go. But at this point, I haven't really considered uh, going, uh, really haven't really thought about going there and, and uh, experiencing it. But that doesn't mean that I don't, haven't read up on it. I mean, it's a Disney Vacation Club property. Of course, I know a little bit about it, but I don't know that much. But I do know people who know more about it. So I reached out to some of my friends and some other people that I know and asked them, anyone if they'd ever been there. And a few had been there and uh, a few have stayed there and met one person who had uh, been a cast member there for a short period of time. And, you know, I learned a little bit from each person that I talked to. And then I talked to a friend of mine named Lisa who's a DVC owner at Alani. And um, she and her husband actually bought some points there. They, they, they have a DVC contract with Olani, uh, and they love going. They go about once a year, uh, and they really enjoy going. And they go for a longer period of time, and it's, it's a lot of fun for them. So I asked Lisa if she'd like to come on my podcast, and she politely declined. She doesn't like to do these public things and speak like that. She says she gets kind of nervous, and I'm cool with that. Look, I'd never push anybody to come on, but it would have been interesting to hear her perspective. But what she did offer to do was kind of sum it up for me. So she wrote me a, a nice little summary of what Alani is all about. And I wanted to share that with you because I think it kind of gives you the sense of what it is. And she does have some tips buried in here. She kind of thought it through because now that she's been there several times, she has a kind of an idea of what it's like. So I'll read her notes and I'll add my own thoughts along the way. And perhaps you'll get a good feel for it. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. You know, as I learned more about it, I was like, wow, it makes it more intriguing in some ways. I'd really like to go. Now, here we go. Alani is a uh, resort and spa, and it's a D Disney Vacation Club property located on the island of Oahu in uh, Kapolei. You'll find it with two miles of white sand beaches in the Ko'olina Resort. Disney had actually created four lagoons that go along with it to kind of give it a little extra special touch. The resort itself is the creation of Walt Disney Imagineers who worked with Hawaiian artisans and cultural experts to create a special Disney experience that's kind of immersive in the Hawaiian culture, but it still has all those Disney touches. Now, one of the things she mentions is that, is that there's kind of an elephant in the room. Even though Alani is a DVC property, Disney Vacation Club, it's not a theme park. It's a luxury resort with top-notch Disney service. You can get more Disney and you can have some characters and you can do more Disney touch things. Now, what she says is that it was designed and built with the Hawaiian culture sort of as a part of what it is. Most of the Alani experiences tell the story of Hawaiian culture. 
Disney worked with more than 80 local artisans and hired a bunch of people that were locals to uh, be in the resort. So they have art from these local artisans. They have some of them there in the resort just providing guidance and doing some of the basic uh, activities that you expect from a cast member to do at a, at a hotel. They create that, that sort of Hawaiian ambiance. So you really get something special when you're there. Now, if you really want to learn more about Hawaiian culture while you're there, you can go to the Fireside Storytelling. They have a beachside fire pit where every night they tell some Hawaiian cultural tale, which is kind of neat. When you think about it, you take that step back and you think, wow, that's really co pretty cool. I can learn more about Hawaiian culture in a sort of Disney way. They'll do it, you know, a little bit twisted toward the Disney side, the way they do things. They're good. Disney cast members are good at storytelling. So you can kind of get that sense of it. But I suspect that most of it is fairly real or realistic in the sense of they're, they're telling you the stories that are, they may be folk tales and whatnot, but they're part of the Hawaiian culture. So in summary, what she says is, this is more or less a hotel. There are free things to do as you would at any resort, or you can add things to your trip itinerary to make it more interesting or more immersive. So first off, she suggests, let's talk about a reservation. Standard rooms at Alani started around $400 for, per night and can go up to around $700 or so for just a standard basic hotel room type size. Uh, so you have that size. And there's a 14% sales tax that they add onto it. They also have one, two, and three bedroom villas with a full kitchen and one and two bedroom suites that all range from anywhere from around $750 to about $3,000 a night. So you kind of have to keep in mind, if, you know, if you're looking for value, you can travel with more people, stay in a larger space, and probably get a better value and have the amenities there, like the full kitchen, which would help you to save some money because you don't have to go out to eat every night. Now, of course, there's always the, the variables of when you travel, how you travel, which location you want in the, in the, in the hotel itself, um, and uh, what views you want from your hotel room that would make a difference. So if you were traveling at high peak season during you know, holiday time or so, stayed at one of the, uh, one of the, the places that's a, a couple of bedrooms and had an ocean view, you're gonna spend a lot more than you might otherwise if you had none of those things. Now, because it's a DVC property, a um, vacation club, you could also uh, buy into the property or rent DVC points to get Disney, that Disney luxury type experience at a better price. If you're a DVC owner at another resort, somewhere, say in Walt Disney World, you can use your points to stay at Alani. So that's really helpful. Or you could rent points from someone else or you could, uh, you, know, you could buy into it yourself. So there are other ways to, to be able to experience it. Now, how do, you, how do you book it? Well, you can book directly from the Alani site, and you can also go to most of the major travel sites or via a travel agent, and they can book it for you. So there's a lot of different ways you can get it. And again, sort of like a hotel, there are ways you can book it. If you're gonna use points, you wanna go through the Alani site or call one of the uh, Disney travel agents, but otherwise, you can just book it through one of the, the major sites. How long should you stay? Well, that depends on your preference, but remember you're coming from the mainland, so it's a long trip over there. It's a little expensive to get there as well. You really should consider a minimum of three nights is what she recommends. Often people stay a week to 10 days, but you know, it's really dependent on you. You wanna make sure you get the most of your experience. So you know, a 10 day trip is a kind of a nice way to really immerse yourself in Hawaiian culture, really relax and enjoy the beaches and the pools and the lagoons and all the other things that are there. Now, if you have kids, you're gonna wanna stay longer because the kids are gonna really enjoy being at the beach and doing things and getting themselves into the culture and having fun things to do. So you kind of book your hotel and you're set there. And then the next thing you wanna do is figure out how you're gonna get there. 
And the way to get there is to fly into the Honolulu International Airport. Of course, you can't drive there, so you know, you've, got to, you've got to fly there. And so the only way to get there is through the uh, Honolulu Airport. You have to book a flight on whatever airline you can find that goes there. Of course, your mileage may vary in terms of what the cost is to fly into, the, uh, into Honolulu, depending on where you're coming from, day of the week you're traveling, how long you're staying, all those things, right? The usual things that you find when, you're, when you uh, make, a, make a trip like that. So you make your uh, reservations to fly, you do all those things, and then you need to uh, arrange for transportation to the resort because you're, you're going to the hotel from the airport, you still have to get from in, the, in that uh, transit time there. So you have a couple of choices. You can take an Uber or a taxi for about $50, $60, somewhere in that range. You can use the Healy Healy shuttle service, which is an airport uh, service to the hotels, and that's about $25 per person to take, but you, if you book it in advance, you're pretty much assured that you'll get there pretty easily, right? Because they try to plan up. That's why they ask you to book in advance, because they try to plan up the trips. They're making the, the most efficient trips around to get you there. And your last option is to rent a car. And this is probably the most expensive option overall. But if you want to leave the resort and go around the island or plan to do other things while you're there, it's a good option. But remember that self-parking or valet parking are both $40 a day at Olani. And um, that's going to add into your cost as well. Now, DVC members get the benefit of free self-parking. If you're staying there on points, you, can, you don't have to pay to park. So you know, if you're going to consider what options you want to use, that may be a way to do it and actually save a couple of bucks. So you, you, uh, you choose how to get there, and then you start to think about what things you might do when you're there. Now, so the Koalani Resort is like right next to where the uh, DVC property is, the Alani is. So those two are actually attached in, uh, to a large degree. So it's kind of a connected resort in a way. So that resort actually has uh, some beautiful beaches, some lagoons, some other things to do. And you can visit those. You can go to the beach as much as you want, or go to the lagoons or go to the pool. That's you know, all included in your hotel in your resort stay. And then there are a number of free activities you can do. Those are listed out on their um, daily IWA, which is their basically their hotel guide. It's a daily briefing on all the things that are going on. So you can find out about the free activities, the activities that you can pay for, things that are happening there, like the fireside storytelling, movies that they show, all these other things that are happening there. And there's activities happening constantly. So you can always find something to do if you want to. Now, as far as kids goes, there are, there are some free activities that they can do and some that charge a fee to go along with it. So you need to kind of consider that carefully when you're going in. Auntie's Beach House, it's a kids club that has some free experiences um, from canoe races to ukulele lessons to animation drawing and things like that, which are great and you have things you can do. But if you want to experience the full babysitting type setting, you have to pay for that. And they do crafts, watch movies, play games. You know, they're supervised by cast members, you know, those kinds of things. But there is a fee. There is the Keiki uh, Cove Splash Zone. That's a uh, park for those really hot days. You can go out there and splash around a little bit. If the kids are younger, they'll probably enjoy that. The Mo'olelo uh, Fire Pit Storytelling is a great activity for kids. They, most kids really enjoy it. Her kids did. Um, and you go around and listen to um, Uncle and Moana. Typically, it's Moana. Tell stories. And they use puppets and props and all these different things there. For the older kids, you can go to the Waikolohi Pool and uh, hang around and have some fun with other kids. And that's kind of a fun way to get to know some other people and have a little fun at the pool and whatever. There are also activities that parents can do with their kids where you can uh, do puzzles and games and uh, do the adventure trails and there's fun things to get involved in. 
So you can also take a guided tour, learn, learn about the landscaping that's around the resort. There's a lot of fun things you can do with your kids and do it as a family activity. As you think about older kids, closer to teenage, they can participate in a lot of these activities too, but they're also welcome to play golf at the uh, Koalina Golf Club. And uh, it's kind of, they can have a little fun with it. And there are ways that you can get some free tea times there. And uh, there's also other activities they can get, in, get involved with, like uh, going out and snorkeling or fishing, hanging out at the cabanas, doing yoga, and just fun things that you find that teenage kids might want to do. And of course, going to the club with the other teenage kids allows them a little freedom to, to have some fun as well. For adults, there's a lot of things you can do. You can head to the whirlpools and spas, the adult-only pool, it's the Waialana pool. You can golf, you can shop, and of course you can dine and have a lot more things to do like that. The Laniwai Spa, it's a full spa and you can, do, you can have all the relaxation you like there and just really take it in and enjoy yourself. But there are also excursions and things you can do outside. You can go on a horseback tour or biking or a guided sightseeing tour. There's so many things that you can do to, to make your time really fun and really relax and enjoy yourself. And of course, there's the Disney touches. There's the lazy river, a water slide, boating, canoeing, catamaran. There's all kinds of fun things that you can do to really enjoy yourself. If you really want to just kind of have a romantic time, you can take a walk along the beach, uh, especially in the evenings at sunset. It's beautiful out there. There, a lot of times there's live music that you can hear as you're walking. So it's really kind of a pleasant experience. Now, the one thing Lisa points out to me is that uh, dining at the resort can get really expensive. And you have to kind of budget $200 a day for a family of four. Now, if you rent a, a room that's got the, the kitchen in it, you can certainly bring that number down. Now, one tip she gives is that you can eat some meals at the poolside or quick service restaurants rather than always eating a sit-down meal. And that'll save you some money. As far as what restaurants are there, there's the Maki Hiki. Uh, it's a Disney classic breakfast buffet where Mickey, Minnie, and Goofy will join you by your table. Uh, although currently they're not coming around to the tables, they are there. On some evenings, uh, this restaurant is the place for uh, a dinner show. It's uh, a sort of an interactive, fun, Menihuni dinner show that's the magic of the people of Hawaiian legend and they do some, some fun things and interactive experiences and some traditional dance and things. There's the Ama Ama. This is a contemporary open air restaurant with uh, sort of a modern feel to it. This is where you really taste Hawaii. You know, you get traditional Hawaiian fare there. You have the Ulu Cafe, a quick service restaurant that serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's the Oleolu Room, which is a, a bar basically. It's a, more like a, a nightclub kind of thing. It's, you know, they have drinks and appetizers available while you're listening to music. Off the hook, there's a poolside lounge that offers pool and beachside service. So if you want somebody to come and bring you your food, you can do that. And then there's a couple of other ones. There's Mama Snack Shop, the Papalua Shave Ice, and Little Opihi's Beachside Kiosks. These are little snack shops that are just located around that you can get a couple of things to eat if you want to. And finally, there's the Waialana Pool Bar. And this is the one that's by the Waialana Pool, and this is for adults only and it serves cocktails and lunch right by the pool, which is kind of cool. That's kind of a neat thing to do. You know, it's, you swim up and you kind of get your food and you, and you enjoy yourself. So she did give some tips for your trip too that may help you to do any planning that you want to do. First thing is make dining reservations when you book your travel. The restaurants tend to fill up and if you haven't made your dining reservations, you may not get what you want. You may be stuck not eating at a restaurant you want to go to, especially if you're there for sort of a, a romantic getaway 
you might want to enjoy some of the finer restaurants. So you might want to, you want to make sure that you're booking your, your dining in advance. Another thing is that at this time, or the last time she was there, uh, they still had the uh, refillable mugs for about $20, and you could get non-alcoholic beverages throughout your stay. So kind of a nice thing, especially if you're staying for like 10 days, you can continue to get soda and tea and coffee um, throughout your stay just by getting the refillable mug. And the last time she was there, you could still bring back your mug from the previous time. I believe those rules have changed. Um, and then, as she mentioned before, the uh, Daily Iwa is your uh, guide book to everything that's going on at the resort. So you want to make sure you pick that up every day and, uh, you know, so you know exactly what's going on. In advance, here's a little a good tip for you. When you're thinking about booking dining reservations, Google the sunset times for your trip. So that way, when you book your dinner reservations, you can try to book them during sunset. The sunsets are beautiful on Hawaii. And you don't want to miss them if you can help it. If you can't get a uh, reservation for dining at sunset, be sure and go out on the beach at sunset and just enjoy it. So if you do book, if you do want to book a uh, dining reservation to enjoy the sunset, request an oceanfront seating. The cast members will know exactly what you're talking about, and they will help you uh, help you arrange it if you need to. If you really want to have that Disney touch, and you should book a character dining experience. The morning breakfast with uh, Mickey and friends is really fun just like it is at any of the Disney World properties. It's a lot of fun, so you should try and do this at least once while you're there. Might as well enjoy the Disney immersive experience while you're there. Um, one thing that uh, she suggests, pack a small bag with a pool and beach necessities if you're arriving before the 3 p.m. check-in. So Alani will let you store your luggage so you can enjoy the resort while you wait for your room, and you can go out and enjoy the beach a little bit before you even get to your room. So if you happen to come in on, like, say, a 10 a.m. flight, you have the opportunity to still go down to the beach and enjoy it for a little bit. Another thing she suggests is going and actually taking your car, if you rented one, and going outside the property and stopping at the store. There's a couple of grocery stores around, and you can actually buy uh, some food and bring it back to the hotel. And if you didn't, you can use Instacart. Instacart is available there, and you can order some food, and they will deliver it directly to your room. So that, those might be really helpful if you, you know, buy some uh, grab-and-go items for breakfast, oatmeal, some bagels, something like that, snacks, and maybe, you know, maybe some other things that you might want to have on hand. The Koalina Center is about a 10-minute walk, and you can get some cheaper food items during your stay. You don't have to buy them all at the Disney Alani property. You can actually walk to the Koalina Resort and get some of, the, uh, some of your snacks there. Or you can actually go outside and uh, leave the resort. And there are some places that aren't too far away, a little farther for if you're just planning on walking, but you can get to them on foot uh, and actually pick up some things if you want to. Uh, one thing she suggests is actually buying some beach toys when you get there and uh, keeping them around and enjoying them while you're there. And then when you leave, just leave them behind so the next guest that comes can enjoy them too. It's kind of a fun way to pay it forward a little bit. You're giving someone else some beach toys. If you've, you know, if you've got kids and you wanna, you wanna have them enjoy it, you can leave it for the next guests that come. One, another thing she suggests, if you wanna have some wine uh, at your meals, wine can get expensive at, uh, at the property there. So one of the things that uh, she suggests is you either uh, bring some wine with you, you can carry so much with you when you actually uh, do your travel, or you can uh, actually buy it uh, when you're there. You can go to one of the, uh, grocery stores, or you can have Instacart deliver it. And um, what they'll do is at the, at the resort, if you want to have it with dinner, they'll just charge you a corkage fee, which is a much more affordable way of having a glass of wine with dinner. She suggests uh, limiting room service, um, dining poolside as much as you can, eating one full meal a day at like the restaurants, so you're not spending so much at it. 
and you know, splurging on unique, unique things and experiences that you can't get at home. You know, if, if there's something you can do at home, no need to do it at uh, Disney, at Olani. You might as well go ahead and just in, enjoy the things that you can't do, like going out and going snorkeling on, out in the, in the, on the reef there, or taking the catamaran out, or doing some things like that that you can't do at home. Those are the fun things that you really should experience and enjoy. And then she, uh, she ends with a, a couple of other tips. One is a tip about leaving the, the resort. Honolulu is a really large airport, so if you have to drop off a rental car, you'll want to get to the airport about three hours in advance to make sure that you've, you get there in plenty of time. If not, you'll still want to get there a couple of hours in advance just be, to get through security and do all the things you need to do and allowing for the travel time to, uh, to get to the, the, uh, the airport. And she gives a pro tip that you can plan to extend your vacation in Hawaii and see more than just Alani. So you can go there and maybe start off at Alani or end at Alani and uh, kind of enjoy yourself, but you might consider flying into Honolulu, then fly to Maui and return to the mainland from Maui instead of from Honolulu. And that way you get to experience more of the Hawaiian culture, more of the Hawaiian islands. Remember, it's a series of islands. Uh, so you can kind of enjoy it a little bit and kind of take it all in and decide which things you want to do. I mean, maybe you want to take a little time and go see some other sites that are in Hawaii. There are plenty of things to do and see in Hawaii that you may want to check out. I mean, I've heard great things about the Pearl Harbor exhibit and things you know like that where there's so many things to see. Yeah, they're very touristy, but when will you ever get to see them again if you don't, if you don't see them while you're in Hawaii? So, you know, something to consider uh, while you're planning your trip and thinking about what you want to do. So there you go. Those are the things that my friend wrote up for me about visiting Alani. And I know, I'm sorry, I couldn't get her on a podcast and I was still looking for other people and I am still looking for anyone else who's been there. If you're listening and you've been there and you have some other tips, let me know. I'd be delighted to have you on a podcast sometime. I, you know, sometimes it's hard to find guests who want to come on and talk. And I, I get it. I totally understand. I've, I've had, throughout the history of this podcast, I've had a lot of people politely decline coming on the podcast. It just happens. And then there are some people who are like, oh, I'd be delighted to come on, and they're great guests. I am happy to have someone come on and talk about some of the fun things at Disney. That's, that's what I like to talk about. So if you have any interest, just let me know. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation. Right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. For my One Little Spark segment today, I wanted to just spend a minute and talk about what's known as the great resignation that's happened over the last year or so. And it's an interesting phenomenon where people are leaving their jobs to go do something else. And typically you'll hear when the economy is great, you'll hear about large numbers of people leaving their jobs and go do something else. But in this case, maybe the economy isn't so great. Maybe it's not so terrible either, but there's opportunities for people to go off and do something else in life and they're taking it. If we kind of think about history, the American dream has always been about gaining wealth and, you know, sort of that being a better, uh, in a better status because I have more money and I have more power. And that's always been the American dream. And you look at the sort of the history, people used to say, oh, the streets of America are paved with gold. It's an apocryphal statement, of course, but it has the significance because people think about America as being this very wealthy, industrialized nation that can do great things. And they're right, 
But yet they're wrong because the streets were never actually literally paved with gold. And their opportunities, while they may be found for some people, certainly not for everyone. And it has to do with the whole social justice piece and you know how we treat people fairly and equitably. But the broader point about this particular uh, episode is to talk about what this great resignation actually means. People have an opportunity to go off and live a better life for themselves, to choose the things that they'd like to do that are more important to them. Look, you make a salary or you make an hourly wage. And if you make an hourly wage, maybe you're working in a business that, uh, you know, you could be making more doing something else. And maybe you're in a business, you know, you were doing something where during the pandemic you were in food service, for example. And you're making that there's a minimum wage that's different for people that work in food service than it is for the standard minimum wage because you're expected to make tips. And so, you know, you see people that were making this lower minimum wage and they go, well, I, you know, I'm not making tips because there's not people coming in the restaurant, so I'm making much less money. And there's an opportunity to go do something else. That's just an example. There are other things, good and bad, that happen on there. And you heard people saying, uh, restaurant owners saying, hey, if I paid you more, would you stay? And the answer was sort of generally no, not always, but because people had an opportunity to go and do something else and figure something else out in life. And because the economy was decent and people were hiring, that exists. And what you saw was that people that were working salary jobs or highly skilled jobs, the opportunities for them to go and work somewhere else became much more prevalent. As we moved to online, as we moved to other places where we could teach people how to do, do things without having to be in an office, you saw things change. You know, companies are always looking to hire in some way, right? That's, that's the nature of, of companies. There's always, you know, transitional periods where people are leaving one company and going to another, and it's competitive in some industries. But what you saw here was because people could work in a different city and telecommute instead of actually physically commuting, they had a better experience. So the quality of life changed for them. Salary may be better if you work at XYZ company, but you get, pay, you, know, you get paid more, but you still have to commute there. So you may live outside the city. The cost of living may be higher. Your commuting costs may be extremely high. And so those things figured in there, maybe you're making less and the job satisfaction isn't really worth it. Plus that commute may be fairly long and it may be difficult for you and you're not spending as much quality time at home. And now over the last year or so, 18 months, whatever, you've been home more and you've been spending time with your family and you've been doing things. Or you have an opportunity, I know many people who did this, who just you know, kind of picked up and went somewhere else for a period of time. Whether it was for a month or six months, they went somewhere else and you know, lived in a different place and actually continued to do the work exactly as they were doing it and no one knew the difference whether they were living across the street from the building they used to work in or whether they were living 3,000 miles from the building they used to work in, they were still able to do the job. And it didn't change anything. So. The quality of life changed. Maybe you can move closer to your parents or to your kids and you have an opportunity to do something different. And maybe you make a little bit less than you did before, but your quality of life went up. So here's the interesting sort of notion I wanted to plant, the seed I wanted to plant. Think about what the American dream is. What does it mean to you? And how are you living that American dream? Are you living it? Is there a way you could live it better? Could you do more or do something else that would make the American dream better for you? Is there somewhere else, something else you could do? Maybe go back to school, maybe go back to a job, maybe hang up a sign and do your own thing and be an independent contractor in that sense. And you see people doing that. And it's amazing to me how we've kind of taken that perspective of life changes, you know, these, this big thing that happened with the pandemic changed the way people think about their life and the things they wanna do with their life. And I find that really interesting. And you know, as you think about the ideas of what you could do with your own life and how you choose to live it, 
it sort of embodies the whole thing. I, I see a mind shift happening. It's happening at a high level right now where people are thinking about jobs. But we're also having this underpinning of people thinking about, wait a minute, what is it that I can do in life that would be better? And it rolls back into social justice when you think about the things that make your life better. Think about the things that would help you to make a better life for yourself, your family, your friends, other people you know, and keep it equitable. If I don't have to be in the office, that may be easier, but there are other factors that go along with it too. What other things would happen that would make life better in some way? And so, you know, that was my perspective. I just wanted to share that with you and uh, give you that one little spark to think about what your American dream is and how you can live it, how you can live your best life. And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 